Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Now, something I have to say before we get started is to remember that if you can go to the church website, there's a new area on there where you can let us know about you. Uh, we're going to pray for you, but then at the same time, this is in the event we go dark in case things get shut down. Uh, I want a means uh, to communicate with you uh, via email. Uh, so make sure you go to the church website. If you don't know where the church website is, contact the person who led you to us uh, and he or she will know. Uh, so if you have your Bible, please open up to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Now, remember what's happening here, the threat that was upon the saints in Ephesus. The same threat. I say same threat, but, you know, different tactic. But the same threat that comes upon uh, the Corinthian saints, the saints in Rome, uh, uh, the saints in Galatia, and the saints, saints in Ephesus, and the saints today, you and me. All these potential threats that lie before us. Now, potential threats, different uh, arenas, uh, different... Uh, uh, um, uh, 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 how the, the threats come, the attacks come, but the, the, the goal of our enemy is the same. It's to drag us to hell because he knows he's going to burn in hell and he wants to drag you and me with him. Now, he wants to drag all of creation with him and some people he doesn't have to worry about for now because he's got them. But for a remnant of people of the way who understand this, you see, we understand this. And at the same time, we grow, we mature, we have our shields, we have our swords, we have the full armor. But then don't forget, we also have fishing poles. We also have fishing poles. Very important. So when I say some people Satan doesn't have to worry about because he's got them already, well, not for long. And I say that with an abundance of hope, not for long. Because as fishers of men, women, young, old, male, female, it doesn't matter. As fishers of men, that's what we do. That's what we do. But we have to be wise. Don't forget that Satan is a fisherman too. A lot of times people, oh, I, I want to go into ministry. I want to go into ministry. That's a, that's a noble desire. It's beautiful. But we have to make sure that we're grown, that we're mature, because Satan is a fisherman too. And without maturity, he can cause someone to fall, to stumble, you see? And we don't want that to happen. We see it happen all the time. But I speak to the remnant. I speak to the living. I don't. I'm, the Lord didn't call me to teach the dead. He called me to teach the living. Okay, so, you know, we see here in chapter 3, verse 1, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. Very interesting the wording he uses here. Remember, he refers to himself as an ambassador in chains. An ambassador for Christ, but in chains. Very interesting. Not like, you know, oh, I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm an ambassador for Christ. Yes, he's an ambassador for Christ. But remember, he says, an ambassador in chains. His captivity, he says, the, the prisoner, which is uh, uh, translates as captive of Christ. So powerful because remember when the Lord revealed to Ananias and he says that Ananias saw this guy saw that you're afraid of. And yes, he kills Christians and imprisons them, but he's my chosen vessel to go to the Gentiles. You see, and it's so powerful because now that you see no longer Saul, but Paul, same guy, carnally speaking. I mean, we look at him with carnal eyes. Okay, this guy has the same 
facial structure. He's got the same build. You know, he's a little chubby in the midsection. He, you know, he's got his beard. He looks exactly the same. But with spiritual eyes, he's a completely different guy. That's what's so powerful about when the Lord is, you know, the the workmanship of Jesus Christ, what he does inside of male, female, young, old, it doesn't matter. But what he does inside of a person, like, wow, this used to be you. Whoa, this used to be you. You used to do this, used to do that. Oh my goodness, I can't believe it. That's impossible. Rejoice. Praise be to the Lord because that's the workmanship of Jesus Christ. As he makes a new man, a new woman. When you and me reckon the old man dead, reckon the old woman dead. You see, that's the old nature. And Jesus Christ creating something brand new inside of you, inside of me. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. You see, we studied this last week. And you see that in Paul. You see that not just in Paul, but you see it in all people throughout the Bible. Old Testament and New Testament. Yes, Old Testament and New Testament. Different. They're different. Look at Jethro, a priest of Midian. And all of a sudden he's grafted in and he's giving counsel to Moses. You see? In chapter 3, verse 1, when Paul says, uh, uh, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. Remember, it's for you. That's what he's saying. It's for you guys. It's for you guys. Yes, it's to honor of the Lord and in obedience to the Lord, but it's for you guys. You see? And it's so powerful because it's like, remember when, when, when Paul speaks to the Corinthian saints, he says, you guys are kings. You guys are like, like kings. You guys have it good. And that, you know, praise be to the Lord because that's what the Lord wants for you. But then at the same time, for us, we're like the scum of the earth. You have to make this distinction between worker and field. If you're wondering what, I'm, if you're listening for the first time and you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to our study through first Corinthians, all of it. And then while you're at it, Purpose in your heart to listen to 2 Corinthians. Get yourself caught up. It will help you grow and mature in Christ. He says to the Corinthian saints, you guys are, you guys are, you guys live like kings. You guys are, but us, the workers, we're like the scum of the earth. You see? He says this in verse 2. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me, for you you see it's not so paul can be oh the learned one i mean yes he's you know even brother peter brother peter says you know that you know paul knows uh, these deep things you know and these people who teach on things which they ought not to teach they twist it to their own destruction he says don't follow those guys but the lord has given paul this understanding so listen to paul that's what peter says listen to paul and then, at the, I mean, since, you know, we referenced it, let's turn there. In um, 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, this is Brother Peter writing now. He says, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. You see, nothing mangy. Remember our study through Leviticus, nothing mangy. Same thing as New Covenant believers, nothing mangy without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. 
as also in all the, his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist or pervert to their own destruction as they do also the rest of scriptures. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, you see, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, Brother Peter even acknowledges this wisdom that the Lord has given to Paul. Not to say that Peter didn't have wisdom. He certainly had wisdom. But Paul had this deep understanding. Remember, before he came to Christ, a Pharisee of Pharisees, a student of Gamaliel, who was a teacher of teachers. Gamaliel, teacher of uh, teachers in accordance to the law. You see? But now Paul, with this deep understanding, he helps put the, I want to say the puzzle together, but it's not really a puzzle. These are things that the Lord is the word became flesh. Genesis to Revelation, the word became flesh in a, a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Falling deeper and deeper in love with him, all of a sudden we get to more know more about the richness and the depths of his love, his grace, his mercy. And it's so powerful because it's like, wait a second, sometimes we just, we get stuck into this minutia of, I'm doing my air quotes, Christianity, the minutia of Christianity. Okay, it's Sunday, I do this, I, you know, get dressed, I go to church, and you know, it's Wednesday, I get dressed, go to Bible study, and it's like, okay, you know, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but if we get stuck in that minutia of like, wait a second, this, there's, there's a purpose, the, the, the sanctuary, entering the sanctuary where Jesus is taught, that's holy. That's holy. Now, a lot of people don't think of it like, okay, this is holy. A lot of people, don't. they just think, okay, I'm going to go in, you know, social club, talk with my friends, you know, hey, pastor, you know, teach for just 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and I want to get on and, you know, talk with my friends. And some pastors permit that from happening, or permit that to happen. But when you consider this sanctuary as extremely, extremely holy, not the sanctuary like, you know, a building, but I'm talking about what happens inside of that, I'll say, bubble. What happens inside of that bubble? Forget the walls of a building. Forget like the style. Forget the paint. Forget the, the, the columns, the beams, the type of pews. Forget all that. I'm talking about a bubble, which is, which is sanctuary. It could be under a tree. It could be in a forest. It could be under a bridge. It could be in a nice building, you know, it could be. But it could be under a tree, it could be, you know, sitting on a rock. I'm talking about a holy bubble where Jesus Christ is taught, glorified, magnified, worshipped, honored, everything, praised. That's what I'm talking about, sanctuary. A special, special bubble. Now, this requires teachers. This requires pastors, godly ones, not the fake ones, not the wolves, godly ones, men, pastors, always male, 
Always, always, always male. If you say, oh, yeah, I got this awesome, awesome pastor and, you know, I feel good when I hear the message, all these things. And, you know, she's female. Listen, that's not the formula. That's not the biblical formula. Get a new pastor. Get a new teacher. We're living in very dangerous times. Very, very dangerous times. Because a lot of pastors don't understand. They call themselves pastors, but they don't understand. A lot of teachers don't have understanding. You see, I mean, you I, you don't even need me to tell you this. You can be a Berean, read the Bible, study the Bible, and walk into any church. And then what you know, remember, knowledge is a gift of the Spirit. What you know in the Bible, and then don't forget the Paracletus, the, the help of the Holy Spirit. You just, something's wrong here. Something's not right here. Something's not right. I know it looks, you got a lot of people here, and I know they open up, the but something's not right. Praise be to the Lord, because that's the leading and the guiding of the Spirit. And so, all of a sudden, you see how Paul in Ephesians 3, in verse 2, he says, If indeed you have heard the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. Now, Paul has intimacy with the Lord. And in his intimacy with the Lord, it's not to pump up Paul so Paul can be inflated with this knowledge. Yes, there's the inflation of the knowledge, but there's also the deflation of Paul pouring into others inside of that bubble. You see? Who he influences inside of that bubble. One of them being Timothy, Priscilla, Achilla. You see? It's so beautiful because that this is the this is the model that's set before us in Holy Scripture. And it's not so Paul can be awesome. It's for the for the church, for the saints. And so we see in verse 3, he says, how that by revelation, he speaking of Jesus Christ, he made known to me the mystery. You see, in his intimacy with the Lord. God reveals these things to Paul. He made known to me, and not just Paul, to Peter too, to James, to uh, Ezekiel, to Jeremiah. These are things that are revealed that the Lord sees, you know, his eyes are everywhere. He sees, that's my guy, that's my gal, because he sees the heart. Remember, we just studied this on Wednesday. He sees the heart. He tests the mind. And so, you know, you see here in verse 3, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery. And I love the parentheses here because it's like a little side note here, which ends in verse 4. But you see the parentheses. He says, as I have briefly written already. So the Ephesian saints, they know already. These are things that, you know, repetition, 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 repetition. How many times do we read the Bible? I mean, the, the, specifically Paul's letters. And even what he says in Acts. And you're like, wow, you know, he said that already. He said the exact same thing to the saints in Corinth, to the saints in Galatia. Repetition, repetition. And when he says, hey, I told you this already, or things of which you know already, I have told you before and I say it again. Because <clears throat> repetition, 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 repetition. Why? Because we forget all we like sheep have gone astray. We forget. We're wrapped up in these earth suits. And yet he says in verse 3, as I have briefly written already, by which when you when you read, I'll say when you read and when you read, past tense and future tense. 
by which when you read, you may understand, but when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Notice how he says, my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Now, this is very important because you can take any pastor, any teacher who says uh, 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 that you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. You take any pastor, any teacher who says my, that you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Now, any pastor can say that. Can say that. Any pastor can say that. And I'm doing, you know, included in that are the air quote pastors and the real pastors. But when you're a Berean, when you study the scriptures, and when you know the Bible, remember, knowledge is a gift of the Holy Spirit. When you know, the word of God will protect you because you'll know, okay, this guy says, you know, uh, my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, but it doesn't align with scriptures. Therefore, he's crazy town. You see, a female pastor can say, according to uh, uh, that you may have the understanding, that you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, a female pastor, and it might align with scripture. But then you're going to get to another scripture where pastors are male. Then you're going to know she's in crazy town because the formula isn't right. Any teacher, any pastor can say, you, uh, 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 you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. But when you know the word of God and you're a Berean, you're going to be the word of God, the protection of the word of God inside of you. You're going to know, okay, this guy is straight up loco. This guy is crazy. This lady is crazy. They say, my knowledge but does it align with scripture? You see, like Paul says here, Paul says, uh, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Now, is Paul trying to exalt himself? No way. Remember, he's an ambassador in chains, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And what servant, what faithful servant, what faithful servant deviates from his master? You won't find that. An unfaithful servant will. And an unfaithful servant will be judged. You can't call them servants anymore. They might refer to themselves as servants. But biblically, are they servants? No. Most likely, wolves are on their way to becoming wolves. You see? You have to understand. You know, we're living in a dangerous time where all these people, teachers and pastors, they're you know, they're on the increase. They're on the rise proclaiming these other Christs in accordance to another spirit. Prophetically speaking, it must happen. Which is why for some time you've heard us say, especially in our study in Leviticus, you know, store your oil. Store your oil, yes. But learn to make bread. Learn to make bread. If you're looking for a pastor, if you're looking for a teacher, you know exactly what to look for. You know exactly what to look for, male, a man, and somebody who will teach you, guide you, and protect you, you see? And I'm not talking about physical, you know, I'm talking about spiritual, who will teach you, and when the wolves come, will kill the wolves. That's what you look for. 
You see? And it's so powerful. You know, learn to make bread. Learn to make bread. Learn to study the scriptures. And so what we see here is, you know, uh, 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 Paul, he's not saying uh, um, uh, in verse 3 that he made known to me the mystery as I've briefly written already in verse 4, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. And then all of a sudden he says, okay, let's go. Let's all let's all go take the mark of the beast and we'll still be saved. Okay, let's all go grave soaking. Okay, I'm going to teach replacement theology now. Okay, I'm going to teach about being a money preacher. I'm going to teach, you know, if you want to be blessed of the Lord, you're going to be millionaires and billionaires. No, because that that would be an unfaithful servant who is becoming a wolf on his way to becoming a wolf. But a faithful servant, such as the Paul, can say that you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ because this is a holy bubble. This is a holy bubble. Paul is a faithful servant. You must be Bereans. You must be a Berean. Because when you're a Berean, you could walk into any fellowship armed with the, of course, the spiritual armor, but armed also with the knowledge of Scripture. And a guy is going to teach and start teaching craziness. And those who are not Bereans will be snookered. They're going to get suckered into that. But you who are a Berean won't be. Why? Because you have the protection of the Word of God. You see, very perilous times. And remember, judgment comes first in the house of God. In verse 5, he says, which in other ages was not made, was not made, or which in other ages or other generations was not made known to the sons of men. Remember, uh, the law is for the flesh. We just studied that in Galatians. The law is for the flesh. There's a Jerusalem above which is free. We just studied that. Galatians 4. We just studied that. It's like, you know, I'm kind of old school. When I was a kid, you know, we used to have, you know, this is before uh, 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 like MP3s. There were the CDs and before CDs, there were the tapes. And, you know, one of your friends would go buy a new tape, a new album. And, you know, they had these uh, tape decks, the tape recorders. But, you know, you, they, sometimes they had dual, like a side-by-side. -side. So on a radio, you'd have like a, on a stereo box, you'd have like, you know, the speakers on, on each side. But then in the middle, you'd have, you know, cassette one and cassette two. And so, you know, a friend would go buy a, 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 a tape. And, you know, if you wanted that same album, you'd record it. You know, and it's not, it was old school. So you couldn't just like hit a button and like, boom, the download was in 10 seconds. You had to listen to the whole album, you know, and then the newer speakers came out, the newer radios came out, the stereos, they came out and you could like hit fast forward and it was done quickly, but it was still, you had to wait for all the music to be played both sides. That's old school. Or like burning copies, you know, of CDs, you know, burning a copy of CDs and, you know, and then legally speaking, you know, if, if, if it was permitted, I'm not, you know, advocating, you know, anything illegal, <laughs> But it's so powerful because it's like burning a copy. When you burn a copy and burn a copy of what? Like Paul. Burning a copy like Paul. So the Paul can be multiplied. I mean, look at, look at Paul and Timothy. Inside of this holy bubble of Paul when Paul would teach. And inside of this holy bubble, you could say, wow, Timothy is like a, a burned copy of Paul. You see? Like the, like, the, like the tape cassettes, old school. 
or burning a copy, you know, burning a copy of a CD. It's like, wow, Paul's like a, you know, Paul was like the, uh, the main file, so to speak, and it was like copied into Timothy. Very holy. And I, I give these worldly examples so that we can understand these things, to help you understand so that we can understand and continue to grow and mature in Christ. And then all of a sudden we see the ministry of Timothy. How when Paul says, you know, Timothy, I'm going to go into Macedonia. Hey, but you stay in Ephesus. You stay in Ephesus and get things in order. Get things in order because Timothy is like a burned copy of Paul. Now, he's his own guy. I mean, Timothy is his, his own vessel used of the Lord. But when Paul says that you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, it's not for self-exaltation. It's not to say, oh, you know what, oh, oh, you know, everybody, you know, follow me, follow me, and we're going to go grave soaking. Everybody, follow me, follow me, and we're going to take the mark of the beast. Everybody, follow me, and I'm going to teach replacement theology. No, everything must align. The formula must be right. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Those are his words. Follow me as I follow Christ. So when a person such as Paul says, follow me, it is safe. But when Mr. Crazy Town or Mrs. Crazy Town says, follow me, whew, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. Because they're not following Christ. They're not following the formula. These are very, very dangerous words to the average Joe. And I, you know, I... I, I in one sense, I don't like saying it like that. But in another sense, I do like saying it like that. Very, very dangerous words for the average Joe. Because if a pastor, if a pastor says that you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, do you know how dangerous that is? Yes, for the pastor, but let's put the pastor aside for the congregation, for the pews, those sitting in the pews. Do you know how dangerous this is? For a pastor or a teacher to say, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, that's that's ultra dangerous. Now, a lot of people will just blindly follow. You know, oh, because, you know, the Bible does say submit to these people in authority. The Bible does say to submit to the pastor. The Bible does say to submit to this guy because he watches out for my soul. And yes, the Bible does say to do that. But when you're a Berean, you'll know with this guy, no way. With this guy, no way. With this lady, no way. With this other lady, no way. But with this guy, with this guy, it is safe. Because he says, follow me. And I know, I see the fruit. We study the scriptures. Everything aligns. The formula is right. I know with him, it is safe. You see? This is the protection that the word of God, it's for everybody. It's not just like, you know, for, you know, the elect. It's for everybody. But who reads? That's one of the biggest astonishments I had as I grew and matured in Christ. And I'm still growing and maturing in Christ. But, you know, when I laid aside those things which so easily ensnared me, when I moved on to perfection, you know, that's one of the biggest things that just blew me away. It was shocking is how many people are biblically illiterate? And this isn't to like shame the church, but in one sense, it is kind of shameful. 
It shocked me to talk with somebody who's been a Christian for five years. Five years. And they do not have the depth of this understanding. To talk with a Christian who's been a believer for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Old people who've been Christians for 50 years, 60 years. And they do not have the depth of this understanding. Now, it's not to shame any believer in any way, shape, or form. But it's, it's in one sense, it is, there is an element of shame there because we're called to move on to perfection. But in another sense, it is very shameful to the teachers, very shameful to the pastors. You see? Because they're, there aren't a lot. There are a lot in a carnal sense. I mean, you, you, we can have our worldly eyes, carnal eyes, and see, wow, there's like a million pastors. But then when you shave off, okay, who teaches the Bible? A hundred. What about everybody else? Crazy. You see? Let not many be teachers. That's what Brother James says. Beautiful, beautiful Brother James. Let not many be teachers. Now, it is a beautiful thing to desire to be a teacher, but... Don't be a novice. Don't be a novice. We have to grow. We have to mature. And so Paul says here that you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ in verse 5, which in other ages or other generations was not made known to the sons of men. Very interesting because it, it, it kind of indicates the spiritual side now of course these are spiritually discerned what we're reading what we're studying it's the the word of god is spiritually discerned but then it opens up something different in terms of the spirit realm notice he says as it has now been revealed by the spirit the holy spirit to his holy apostles and prophets holy messengers and prophets you know we live in a day and age where people like to refer to themselves as apostles Oh, I'm apostle, whatever. I'm apostle, whatever. And I have my special parking spot and I have my special seat in the fellowship, you know, and I have, it's like a throne, a big chair. Everybody's got their, the pews, but then you see like the big ch- chairs, they're like thrones. And then, oh, I'm an apostle. I'm an apostle. And when I speak, everybody listens. What in the world? If you want to call yourself an apostle, you better be teaching what's in the word of God. Everything. The good, the bad, the ugly, everything must align perfectly. And if it doesn't, woe is you, apostle. Woe is you, apostle. But there are biblical apostles. Now, every single one of the apostles, before they were apostles or messengers, before they were messengers, they were disciples. You see, it's not... You become a Christian and then all of a sudden you're an apostle. It's not you become a Christian and you're a messenger. No. No. You have to be a disciple. A disciple. And nobody can force anybody to learn. Nobody can force another person to learn. That is something that we do. Every single person has to render themselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Render there. I mean, look, look at a kid who's enrolled in school. The parents make them make them go to school. The kid goes to school, but the parents can't force straight A's. You see, the, the, the kid is there sitting in class, but he's a straight F student. He doesn't want to be there. She doesn't want to be there. But then you have like you know the straight A student. Same thing. Same concept. 
The kid wants to be there. The kid wants to learn. The kid is like a sponge. Straight A student. You see? And I'm not trying to, you know, bring academia into this because that's in a, in a carnal sense, but in a spiritual sense, it's very similar in terms of growing and maturing and having deeper understanding. To talk with a Christian who's been walking with the Lord for 40 plus years, a person would hear that and be like, wow, a Christian for 40 years, praise the Lord, that's awesome. But then when you speak with them, they don't have understanding. I mean, not all of them. I'm just I speak in generalities here. But I would say, from experience, the majority don't have the depth of this knowledge. Which is why intimacy with Jesus Christ is of utmost importance for everybody. Everybody. You, me, young, old, I don't care intimacy with Jesus Christ. Look at Timothy. Look at his intimacy with Jesus Christ. I mean, in America, we have this thing called the unions, you know, unions, everything's, you know, seniority is, you know, the time in service, how, how long, you know, you could have somebody who's been working for five months and somebody who's been working for 20 years and the 20 year guy has seniority. And you look at Timothy, what young guy, say he's like 20 years old, young guy. And Paul says, hey, Timothy, you stay in Ephesus. Say he's 20, say he's 18. What if he was younger? Say he's 18, 20, somewhere around there. Say he's he's a young guy, but yet time-wise, you have people who are, you know, an old man who became a Christian, you know, 10 years prior, 15 years prior. And so he became a Christian and, you know, oh, surely the old guy knows what's happening. Surely the, the old guy is more learned than Timothy. Surely the, the old guy has more understanding than little Timothy. Look, Timothy's just 18 years old, 22 years old. I don't know, but he's young. When Paul says, let no one despise your youth. But no, Timothy is like a titan in the faith. The spitting image of Paul. A burned copy of Paul. Why? I mean, not to deify Paul, but that, remember... Paul says that the Lord has given these people as patterns, male, female, like Priscilla, Aquila, Lydia. These people are patterns. Chloe. These people are patterns for you and me to copy, to emulate. Now, the Lord gifts how he gifts. Don't forget the greatest gift is love. But understand this process of maturing in Christ. I, I say process, but it, Again, I, I like to say process, but I don't like to say process because it sounds too formal. It's supernatural. It's supernatural. You see? Carry your cross. Reckon the old man dead, the old woman dead. And let us move on to perfection. And in other ages, these deep spiritual things, the mystery of Christ was not made known in verse 5 to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs, you see, fellow heirs of the same body. Remember in chapter 2, verse 19? It, when we read, we studied just last week, therefore you are no longer strangers but foreigners. And you know, no longer, no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members, saints and members of the household of God. Same body, just like it's written here in verse six. 
I mean, everything aligns, but that was just last week in our study. Everything aligns, but that's just, I mean, in my Bible, that's the same page, you know, just a little bit up. It's the same page. Everything, it aligns. That's just, that's just two aspects of everything it aligns. But what about alignment with Genesis? What about alignment with Jeremiah? What about alignment with Psalms? What about alignment with Amos? What about alignment with Zephaniah? Everything has to align. You see, perfectly. Perfectly. There can't be any deviation where, you know, an interpretation of what Paul writes is doesn't fit the prophecies of Jeremiah. Or what Jeremiah writes, what he records, doesn't align with what James says. No, because that would be a messed up house. And where you see that in a church, I'm doing my air quotes, where you see that in a church, run away. Run away. Do not submit to yourself to such teachers. Do not submit yourself to such pastors. They call themselves pastors. They might call themselves an apostle, but do not submit yourself to such men. And in some cases, women. Do not. They don't watch out for your soul. They watch out for their belly. They watch out for their wallets. Oh, how dare you say that? That's so mean-spirited. Really? Proof is in the pudding. Proof is in the pudding. I'm just the messenger. That's it. I'm just the messenger. In verse 6 here, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ. Remember, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Not in the law. Not in the flesh. Not in the world. In Christ. Oh, but I am in Christ. I am in Christ. Okay. You say you're in Christ. Where do you go to church? Where do you fellowship at? Oh, I go here where they teach, you know, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. Okay, that's that's another that's another Jesus. That's not the biblical Jesus because Genesis to Revelation, the word became flesh. The Bible reveals never, ever, ever take the mark of the beast. Oh, but I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. And oh, I also go grave soaking. Okay. You might be in Christ. Lowercase c. That's another Christ. Because grave soaking... It's an abomination before the Lord. Necromancy, an abomination. You say you're in Christ, and you might be in Christ, but it's the lowercase c. It's another Christ. It's not the Jesus of the Bible. You see? And I get a lot of complaints. You know, how dare you say this? How dare you see this? Even the Hebrew, Hebrew Roots Movement. You know, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to find you. I'm going to kill you. To live is Christ to die is gain. To live is Christ to die is gain. I'm just the messenger. You and me, we must abide in Jesus Christ. The real Jesus Christ. Not the fake one who says take the mark of the beast. And you'll still be saved. Not the fake Jesus who says, you know, God is done with Israel. Replacement theology. God is done with Israel. No. That's the, that's the fake Jesus. Not the fake Jesus who says, you know, the money preachers. Oh, prosperity gospel. Not the fake Jesus who says, go ahead and go grave soaking. Don't abide in that. Because that, if you abide in that, you'll die. That, that will kill you. I mean, you might live. You might die an old man. You might die an old woman and take your last breath. And in the natural sense, you die naturally. And you think, okay, everything's fine with me. I'm going to die. 
But then you have to face the music. You see? The real Jesus Christ. Not the fake one. I shouldn't say not the fake one. Not the fake ones. Plurality. Fake Christ taught by fake false prophets. False teachers. Through Christ. In verse 6. Partakers of his promise in, in Christ. In Christ. Through the gospel. Through the gospel. Of which I became a minister. You see? Of which I became a minister. I think this is so funny. Funny, yes, funny. No disrespect to the Lord. But I wonder, <laughs> I mean, I can't wait to have a conversation with Paul. Just a little side conversation, just me and Paul. A little side, you know, everybody else can be doing, you know, worshiping the Lord, of course, and all of us in worship of the Lord. But just a little side conversation. Hey, Paul, can I talk to you? What were your plans in life? <laughs> Before the Damascus Road, Paul, what were your plans in life? I wonder what he would say. Well, I wanted to do this. I wanted to do this. You know, just, uh, I didn't get that far. I think it's so funny how the Lord can take a person, male, female, young, old, it doesn't matter, and then use that person. And you might have plans for your life. You might have plans for your life. But then, you know, when the Lord, you know, my pastor in California, he always used to say, no matter what. Always leave your schedule open for the Lord, no matter what. Leave your schedule open for the Lord. Because yes, you know, we honor the Lord and we uh, work as unto the Lord and we occupy until he comes. Yes, beautiful. All in obedience to his word. But then there might come a time when the Lord says, you know, hey, I got a job for you. I want you to do something. And I just echo his words to you as well. No matter what, leave your schedule open for the Lord. You have a busy schedule, leave it open for the Lord. I mean, you know, like, you know, like a, a, if you're a business guy, you know, you might have a stacked schedule, but then like, you know, you, 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 you know, if, if your wife calls or if, you know, somebody important calls, it's like, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'll take that. I'm in meetings. I'm in meetings. I'm in meetings. But if this person calls, you know, break the meeting and, you know, I'll talk with this person. It's kind of like that. I shouldn't say kind of like that. It is like that. You know, we work as unto the Lord and we occupy until he comes all in obedience and to glorify the Lord. But then at the same time, when the Lord says, hey, I got a job for you. Hey, I want you to do something. Yes, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Yes, Lord. Okay. Schedule open. Boom. And you see here in verse 7, of which I became a minister. Yeah, I wonder what Paul's plans were in life. But yet God had other plans and he revealed them to Ananias. He is my chosen vessel to go to preach to the Gentiles. You see? And he says, Paul says this, that he's a minister. He became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. By the effective working of his power. And that's the power of his spirit. Oh, but, you know, the Holy Spirit, that was for 2,000 years ago. That's what a lot of the uh, the uncircumcised say. In, in accordance to the Spirit, not the flesh. In accordance to the Spirit. Oh, the, the Holy Spirit, He doesn't do those things anymore like you see in the book of Acts. That was for that dispensation. It's not for today. Sad people. Sad people. 
You know what they have? Religion. You know what they don't have? Relationship. They have religion. But they don't have relationship. Why? Because relationship doesn't close off the Holy Spirit. Because in relationship, in that deep understanding of deep spiritual things, in accordance with the Word of God, you never see an expiration date on the Holy Spirit. People place expirations on the Holy Spirit. Why? Because of their flesh, because of their carnal nature. They don't see the power of the Spirit in their lives. And because they don't want to face the music and say, it is because of my sin and my carnal nature, because they don't want to face the music and because of false teaching, because of bad doctrine, they're taught, oh, that was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. They make excuses for their own carnality. They make excuses for the flesh. And so we see this in verse 8. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints. I'm so in love with Paul. I'm so in love with Paul because you see his humility. There's no self-exaltation when he says, you know, when, when he says in verse 4, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. It's not to say you may understand my knowledge. Like, look how awesome I am. This guy doesn't have that knowledge, but I do. Therefore, you have to do what I say. You got to follow me. No, you don't see that. You don't see that. Remember the Macedonian saints when they wanted to give Paul the money for the other saints? They were poor. Paul, take this, take this. He was like, no, 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 no. You guys need that. This for you. And they were begging Paul, Paul, take this. You see? I wonder how many, how many pastors would say to their congregation, to say to their flock, which isn't theirs, don't give money. I wonder how many pastors would say, don't give money, but would rather say, so render your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, which is your reasonable service. I wonder how many pastors would say, I don't want your money. I wonder how many pastors are not paid by what they do. I wonder. But then I wonder about the ones who, oh, yes, we're going to pass the offering plate at the beginning. We're going to pass the offering plate at the middle. We're going to pass the offering plate in the back, at the, la in the, at the, at the end. We're going to pass the offering plate, plate, you know, everywhere. And we have this offering plate here, here, and here, and here, and in the parking lot, too. So, you know, if you forget, you know, you can play, you know, we're going to have all these things everywhere. I wonder, I wonder. And I know of pastors who have contractual obligations to the board, you know, the board of a church, which that's a worldly model, but a church board, they have in their contract where pastors have to be paid at least $250,000 a year. And that was like 15 years ago. So $400,000 a year now? Sick. I wonder how many pastors there are, teachers there are. I don't want your money. And so when Paul says in verse 8, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. You see, 
this grace was given. Now, no, let me, let's pause here for a moment. When Paul says this grace was given, yes, it's from the Lord. This grace was given. Now you see, okay, the Lord is gracious unto Paul. And everybody could agree with that. The Lord is gracious to Paul. But then we look at the life of Paul. The tribulation, the hunger, the cold, the heat, the beatings, the stonings, left for dead, you see, left alone. Only only Luke is with me. You see? And now we have this backdrop of having studied the book of Acts. To the Corinthian saints, when Paul says, you know, I'm gonna, I speak foolishly. I speak foolishly so that you guys can understand you guys are carnal and I'm gonna be, I'm gonna exercise a little bit of the carnal nature too. And he says, I more so remember our study through the Corinthian letters. And then all of a sudden he lists all those things and boom, 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 boom. Oh, yeah, don't forget they beat me, left for dead, hunger, tribulation sleepless, all these things. And then to have that understanding, you and me, to have this understanding of the life of Paul. And then in verse 8, when he says that this grace was given, like, wait a second, I I thought grace would be like, you know, $10,000. I thought grace would be like, you know, no punches in the face. I thought grace was like a good thing. Listen to me. Grace is an exceedingly good thing. It is a beautiful thing. But not according to the flesh. Not in a manner that is pleasing to the flesh. It it can be. I mean, we've, we've seen aspects in the church age. Of the grace of God being, you know, uh, good in a, in a, in a fleshly sense, but that when it is, it's for the benefit of another. I mean, look at Barnabas. You know, the grace that was given to him, he was the property owner, real estate mogul, you could say. Yes, he, it was given to him, grace. But then to sell property and give 100% of the proceeds to the church. You see? And I say to the church, but for the work of the ministry, 100%, not 90%, not 80%, you know, okay, Lord, you did 80% for you and 20% for me. No, 100%. To just put it at the table, okay, here, this is for the fellowship of the saints. This is, this is for the ministry, the work of the ministry. You see, that's hardcore. So you see this aspect of, yes, grace being a good thing in the flesh, but then comes the denial, which is spiritual. And you see that in Barnabas. And you see Paul, remember, the beatdowns, the cold, the heat, all these things. And he also refers to it as the grace. And I say that because we need this understanding because tribulation, I don't want to say it's coming. Tribulation is here. And it's going to get worse 
and worse and worse, more perilous, and the coming peace is false. The coming peace is false. When the Antichrist is revealed in the middle of the 70th week of Daniel, when he is revealed, it's going to be a slaughterhouse for both Jew and Christian. The world will hate you. The world hates you already, but the world will hate you more. That's what it's going to look like. We have to have this understanding about God's grace. Yes, it is a good thing. It is a beautiful thing, but in accordance to the Spirit. He says in verse 8, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ. This translates as the exceedingly, exceedingly beyond finding out these kind of riches of Christ. I'll give you an example. Say you and me are in the middle of the Pacific Ocean on a little on a little rowboat. We've been rowing for a long time. And we're in the right smack dab in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Just you and me on a little, little towboat. Room for two people. And we've been, you know, with our oars, we've been doing it for a long time. Our arms are tired. We're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Right smack dab in the middle. And then I tell you, jump in the water and you jump in the water and then i tell you this one one water molecule just you're like immersed in the water you know just just your head is up you're like you know a little dog paddle and you're just you're kind of floating there and we're laughing you know we, we we have our picnic basket we had our sandwiches chips you know sodas and then i tell you one water molecule I mean, you're completely soaked. One water molecule is worth one billion, with a B, one billion dollars. One water molecule. And then, how unfathomable is that? How unfathomable is that to understand, like, you're soaked. You're completely soaked, drenched. I mean, you go down in the water for a couple seconds and you're, you're completely immersed. And remember, we're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And one, just one water molecule is worth $1 billion. That's what he's saying here. The unsearchable riches of Christ. It's, it's unfathomable. Un, unfathomable. I have a problem saying that word, unfathomable, unfathomable. It's it's beyond comprehension. It's exceedingly beyond finding out. I mean, so say, for example, we're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. You're completely drenched. And then I tell you, hey, in, in this radius of 10 feet, or 10 meters, I'll say, you know, for the non-U.S., in the radius of 10 meters, 10 meters, you know, in a, a radius of 10 meters, all around, you know, like the a, a spherical. In that area, how much, how much money is there? 
valued at? What is the monetary value of that? Knowing that one water molecule is worth $1 billion. It's, impo- it's, it's impossible. And that's just within a 10-foot radius, 10-meter 10, 10 radius. Remember, we're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And don't forget, water molecules in the air, too. You see? There's you know war- more water molecules in the ocean, but there's molecules in the air. It's, um, it's beyond, beyond finding out. And that's what Paul is speaking about here in verse 8. The unsearchable riches of Christ. It is beyond comprehension. So we continue in verse 9. As if that wasn't enough. And (laughs) to make all see. Remember, Paul himself was blind. Paul himself was blind. Remember Remember the Damascus Road? To make all see. What is the fellowship, which is koinonia, which is intercourse? Now, if you're, I say intercourse, if your mind goes off into crazy town, repent. Because I'm not talking about a carnal intercourse. I'm talking about a deep, it's social intercourse, but it's even deeper. It's a deep spiritual intercourse. Have you ever had fellowship? Have you ever had fellowship where it's deep? It's like, like this is my family type. It's it's deep. It's you could talk for hours about the Lord. You could talk for days, weeks, months about the Lord. And that's what I'm talking about. That's what Paul is talking about. I'm just the messenger. And to make all see what the fellowship of the mystery. Remember verse three when Paul says, "By revelation, God revealed the mystery to him, to himself." It's not so Paul can be, oh, look how Paul is awesome. He has this understanding and, you know, oh, look how cool he is. And look, he's got, you know, a million followers. And look, he has all these books and New York Times bestsellers. And he writes these books and he writes these books. And, you know, he's a nice guy. So instead of charging $20, he only charges $10 for each book. And it's hardback too. Look how nice he is. Oh, what a gracious guy. Paul says, I don't want your money. I don't want your money. I teach, I preach, you know, freely I have received and freely I give. Pulse, I don't want your money. Instead of giving your money, he says, present your body, uh, uh, present your bodies to Christ as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. He doesn't even mention the money. You see? By revelation, this mystery was given to Paul, but not so Paul can be, you know, Mr. Know-it-all. It's so that he can teach, so that he can pour into those who the Lord has brought to him. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God. Whoa. The beginning of, uh, of the ages has been hidden in God the Father. Whoa. That's hardcore. Turn with me really quick to Revelation 13. And in Revelation 13, verse 8, 
prophetic uh, passage here. Revelation 13 verse 8, all who dwell on the earth will worship him. This is the Antichrist. The world is going to worship the Antichrist. Already, you know, the spirit of Antichrist is alive and well. And, you know, this is going to happen where the world is going to worship the Antichrist. And all who dwell on the earth, in verse 8, Revelation 13, will worship him, the Antichrist, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb. Remember, names can go in the book of life and they can come out of the book of life. Now, I, me, I want your name in the book of life and I want it to stay there. I want it to stay there. You see? And that comes through obedience. Well, it gets there by belief in Jesus Christ. Now, if you're listening and you're listening and you've been listening for a while and you still haven't heeded my urging, my call for you to repent, cut it out. I love you. I love you. The Lord did not call me to teach the dead. He called me to teach the living. And if you're listening, if you're listening, be alive. Be alive in Christ. You know, can these dead bones walk? Lord, you know. Come to life. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. And you hit pause if you're not a believer. And I'll say this, if you're also, if you're a believer, but you're not obeying Jesus Christ, you're playing games with the Lord, you have one foot in the world and one foot in the church, one one foot in the world and one foot in the Bible. I I, I can't say, you know, the church anymore because remember, the the church is entering judgment. Judgment begins in the house of God. The church is entering judgment. The church, I'm, I'm talking about like, you know, Fellowship, like building church. The church is entering judgment. People say like, oh, you know, the church isn't mentioned in Revelation after chapter five. And, you know, church isn't mentioned in past Revelation four. So therefore it's a pre-tribulation rapture. No, church isn't mentioned. Why? Because it's under judgment. What is mentioned? Saints. Saints. And if you're playing games with the Lord, you have one foot in the world and one foot in the Bible. You're trying to have it both ways. You believe in God, but you also like the sex. You believe in God, but you also like the drugs, the alcohol. Cut it out. Be unbelieving no more. Yes, unbelieving, uncircumcised. Be ye circumcised. Obey Jesus Christ. I want your name in the book of life, and I want it to stay there. And then you hit pause. And you listen to the message, you got to commit your life to Jesus Christ, and you commit your life to Jesus Christ, and then you come back and you listen. And we grow together. We walk together. But look at what happens here in chapter 13, Revelation, verse 8. Whose na- All who dwell on the earth will worship him, the Antichrist, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Whoa. How is this possible? Slain from the foundation of the world? You mean like straight up Genesis? Slain? But I thought the law was added because of sin, because of trespasses. Yes, the law was added because of sin. And the law points to Jesus Christ. But do you remember how just last week in our study, how we made reference to a gift? Now, if you were to give me a gift, say today is my birthday. Today is my birthday. 
and you give me a gift today, you wrap it up, and you give me a get the bow, everything, and you know, nice paper or whatever, you know, and it's a nice gift. Now, I would receive the gift today. I mean, if I, you know, I take it, I grab it, you know, and then I open it, you know, I got to open it to receive the gift. I got to open it. If I don't receive the gift, I'll just, you know, put it in the closet. But I got to open it. Remember the two sides to that gift giving. There's the giver and then there's, there's the receiver. But today is my birthday and you give me a gift and unbeknownst to me. This is something that I do not understand. I do not know. I don't don't even know about. That you bought it a month prior. You bought it a month prior. Got on sale. Nice sale deal. (laughs) Got it on sale. Bought it on sale. And you were going to, you know, you bought the main item and then you bought another item which you were going to attach to the other and it was all done a month prior and in case of shipping delays or whatever, you know, there was a two-day shipping delay but it was no big deal because, you know, you were a month prior. You were doing everything a month prior. Yet in your heart, in your mind, this gift was prepared before you gave it to me. It's the exact same thing with our Lord. Exact same thing with our Lord. Just as is written in Revelation 13 verse 8. Slain from the foundation of the world. You see? But yet the gift hasn't been given yet. The seed hasn't even come yet. In a carnal sense, the seed hasn't even come yet. Absolutely true in Genesis, in Exodus, in Leviticus, in Numbers. Absolutely true. But it points to Jesus Christ. It all leads to Jesus Christ. But the preparation of the gift, already a done deal. You see? In the same way, you know, I received the gift that you give me today. But it was, all, it was prepped. It was ready to go. No shipping delays, no nothing. Everything, PCA, one package, wrapped up, bow and everything a month prior. All that had to happen was just waiting. Waiting a month for the time. For the proper time, the appropriate time. It was a done deal. And it was, it was just a matter of time before you gave me the gift and I received the gift. You see? Same thing. Same thing. Now let's go back to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9. He says, And to make all see that the fellowship, what, what, what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God? You see? It's been hidden in God, slain from the foundation of the world, but yet the seed, everything, everything had to align, every jot, every tittle. Everything had to align until the, the, the seed came and then, you know, the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, new covenant, you see? And there's a lot of scripture where jots and tittles have already come to pass. They're already, it's already a done deal. But there's more. There's more. It's already a done deal in the heavenly place. It's already a done deal. But in this, remember, on, in, in, on earth as it is in heaven, for you and me, in accordance to the word of God, the blueprints, 
There's still more jots that need to come to pass. There are still, still more tittles that need to come to pass. And from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, God the Father. Who created all things through Jesus Christ. The end of verse 9. Remember John chapter 1 verse 3. All things were made through Jesus Christ. Everything through Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh. In verse 10. To the intent that now... The manifold wisdom of God. I love the manifold because you look at car parts, you know, the manifold. You have like, you know, little, you know, uh, 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 out of the, the engine block and you have the manifold and boom, boom, boom on one side and then boom, boom, boom. On the other side, you see the manifold and everything, just the, the pipes go out the back. Multifaceted. Boom, boom, boom on one side, boom, boom, boom on the other side. Manifold. The same thing with our Lord. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church or through the church. So now you see something important happen. And these blueprints that are set before us today. By revelation in verse 3, God revealed the mystery to Paul. It's not so Paul can be awesome. He's lower than the least. That's how he refers to himself. He refers to himself as the scum of the earth. Listen to our study through uh, the Corinthian, let first Corinthians. Trash. Lowest of the low. And yes, the Lord has given him this understanding. Yes, the Lord. Jesus Christ. Remember he, when Paul went left field? You think, okay, Paul's going to consult with the apostles. He's going to go consult with them. No, he goes to Arabia. Left field. Remember our study in Galatians? He goes left field. He goes straight to the source, his intimacy with Jesus Christ. And in his intimacy with Jesus Christ, the Lord reveals these deep spiritual things to him. Putting the pieces together, putting the puzzle together. Remember, he's a student of Gamaliel in accordance to, you know, the, 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 the law before he came to Christ. A Pharisee of Pharisees. So he has this understanding of the law. The prophets, the Psalms, the wisdom letters. He has all this understanding. And then in his intimacy with Jesus Christ, the Lord puts it together for him. Look, Paul, I'm revealing this all to you. So Paul can be awesome. So could he be, he could be a New York Times bestseller? Book sells for, you know, 20 bucks and he wants to be a nice guy and he'll, he'll sell it for, you know, $10. No. Every, it's free. Free. The beatdowns that he got, the tribulations, the cold, the heat, stoned. He got no money. There's no, no pay in that. There's a reward, definitely, but his reward is not in this world. No riches of this world, no riches of this world can even come close to any type of worthy compensation. But the gift, the reward of Christ, whew, that's, that's bliss. 
That's glory. And now that this bubble, this holy bubble, not to inflate Paul, but there is, if there is any inflation of Paul, it's deflation as well because it's deflated from Paul and it inflates Timothy. It inflates, inflates uh, Priscilla and Achilla. So Paul might be inflated in one sense in terms of the knowledge given to him, the wisdom given to him of the Lord, but he himself is the one to not take that inflation and stand on a high horse, stand on a pedestal in self-exaltation no, he's the one who deflates it in humility to Christ. And his deflation leads to the inflation. I mean, to put two balloons together. One side is inflated. The other, the other side is deflated. And you, you know, squeeze one. And what happens to the other one? It inflates. That's what I'm talking about. The deflation of Paul is the inflation of Timothy, is the inflation of Priscilla, Aquila, is the inflation of uh, Corinth, is the inflation of uh, uh, Galatia, is the inflation of Ephesus, the saints. And the formula must be right. You see? No inflation to the carnal. You want to have sex with your dad's wife? Okay, no inflation to you. Separate, you know, everybody who I'm going to inflate, separate, separate from these others. The inflation is for you. My deflation is for you, the remnant. That's what Paul is saying. To Rome, to, 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 to Corinth, to Galatia, to Ephesus. My deflation is for the remnant. You see, it's not to puff up Paul. And now that the saints have this, and we see in verse uh, 10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church or through the church. Now, in the book of Acts, we see this. We see this. Like, okay, we, we, we see the book of Acts. Remember, how many times, when, if, you were, if you've been walking with us for a while, we study the book of Acts and we make reference of, you know, the defensive posture of the Christian and also the offensive posture of the Christian. But then you see a lot of the offense of saints, the church. You see the birth of the church, the birth of Corinth, of Ephesus, of Galatia. We can read the book of Acts and study the book of Acts and see that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church. In verse, as is written in verse 10. We see that in the book of Acts. But I'm going to ask you a hardcore question. And it is this. Do we see it today? Straight up. I mean, let's be honest here. Do we see it today? You look at the book of Acts. Let's look at verse 10. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be no, be made known by the church, which translates as through the church. So remember this blueprint. Paul is inflated with this knowledge, not for self-exaltation, but for all intents and purposes. He is inflated by Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit in accordance to the will of God. He is inflated. No self-exaltation. It's not so Paul can say, wow, look how awesome I am and sell his New York Times bestsellers. No. All of a sudden, Paul deflates himself 
And then you see Timothy inflated. You see Priscilla and Aquila inflated. You see the church inflated. The saints in the church inflated. And you look at the book of Acts and you see the church in the book of Acts. Christians, saints in the book of Acts. And yes, young, like new believers, brand new believers. And we see verse 10. Now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church or through the church. Remember, in those days, uh, 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 there was a great commotion about the way. Remember? There was a great commotion about the way. Remember their study in the book of Acts? Now that's, that's a model that we look at in the history books. Yes, church history. But my question, do we see it today? Do we see the manifold wisdom of God being made known through the church today? You know what's being made known through the church today? An abomination. Grave soaking? Taking the mark of the beast? Replacement theology? Money preachers? Sexual predators who are pastors? Wolves? Shills for the Antichrist? Let's be honest. Do we really see the manifold wisdom of God? Not the manifold wisdom of man. The manifold wisdom of God being made known through the church today. Do we see that happening? Like we see in the book of Acts. And if we're honest, I just call it like I see it. My answer is no. You might have a different answer. But my answer is no. And I'm going to venture to say that your answer is no as well. Now, why is that? Why? Oh, let me tell you why. It's because uh, the, the Holy Spirit, that was for another dispensation. He doesn't do that anymore. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Where in the Bible will you see an expiration date on the power of the Holy Spirit? You will not find it. But the uncircumcised of heart, they come up with these excuses to permit their own carnal nature, to permit their flesh, the behaviors of their flesh. Meanwhile, they also say, God is sovereign. Oh, God is sovereign. So what if I do my sex? God is sovereign. So what if I do my little, you know, I'm a tax cheat. So what if I do my little Buddha? I do the occult. So what if I, you know, I want to worship Mary. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't work like that anymore. That was for that dispensation of the book of Acts. People come up with excuses to permit, to, they come up with ex excuses to satisfy the flesh, to satisfy and also excused their uncircumcised heart. Yes, God is sovereign. Act like it. I don't see the manifold wisdom of God being made known. I see a mockery in the church today. But even that in itself 
also reveals the times in which we're in because prophetically speaking, the church where judgment begins must be crazy town, straight up crazy town. It will come to pass. Every jot, every tittle of these aspects of prophecy, speaking about the church being in crazy town, must come to pass and will come to pass and it is coming to pass. Which is why you hear me say from time to time, you know, you're probably not going to find it. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to sound fatalistic. I'll, I'll, I'll be blue in the face. But you probably won't find that. Because remember, the church isn't mentioned in Revelation. It's true that church isn't mentioned in Revelation past chapter 4. But people say, oh, that's because of a pre-tribulation rapture. No, it's because the church enters judgment. And when you look at the prophecies in the Old Testament, there's a model by which there is safety. And you see it very individualistic. Smaller groups, smaller subsects, home fellowships. Safety, our only safety is in Jesus Christ. Only safety is in Jesus Christ. I don't mean to sound hardcore by saying that, you know, like, you know, I, I see it in the book of, I mean, let's hit, the, let's go back in time. You and me, we go back, we, we enter a time machine. We go in a time machine, we go back to, you know, this particular moment in time. Now, here we are, and we're in the church in Ephesus. We're fresh from the book of Acts. I mean, the book of Acts is still like, you know, Dr. Luke is still recording the book of Acts, like in live time. But as for us, saints in Ephesus, we read this and to the intent that in verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church or through the church. You and me, we hear what's happened in Corinth, in Corinth. We hear all these things that have been happening, the, you know, a commotion about the way. And we fully understand this. We're fully on board. Paul, he has this understanding and the Lord has revealed these things to him. And it's not so that he can be puffed up. He deflates himself for our inflation so that we also can have this understanding. And through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is being made known. Why? Because we go to work. We speak with our relatives, our family. We go all over the places and we speak about Jesus Christ. We glorify Jesus Christ. No sex, no drugs, no alcohol. Not like, you know, the, those Corinthian saints. We heard about them. You know, the, the, the saints, yes, they believed. But there was a guy who was having sex with his dad's wife. And then there's a separation from the carnal. And now there's a remnant in Corinth and it kind of freaked us out a little bit. Like, whoa, I don't, I, I don't want that to happen here in Ephesus. So we, we better get, we, 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 we better make sure that our, our life is on point honoring the Lord, the sovereign Lord, because he is sovereign. And because he is sovereign, I'm going to act like it. I'm going to behave like it. I'm going to let his sovereignty impact my life to the point where I want to honor him and glorify him. I don't want to say God is sovereign and live like a freak. I don't want to say God is sovereign and do my sex, my drugs, my alcohol, my Buddha, my yoga, my, you know, Mary and all the, the Hare Krishnas. I don't want to say God is sovereign and live a life that doesn't reflect his sovereignty. I want to say God is sovereign and believe that God is sovereign and let my life reflect in the sovereignty of God because I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be a whitewashed tomb. And that's you and me. We went back in time to Ephesus. 
Now we can read verse 10 and be like, wow, you know, that's, you know, I'm on board with that. This is on point to the intent that now Paul is inflated and now he's deflated and now we're inflated because it's for us in this holy bubble. That the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church or through the church. This is, you know, we go back in our time machine and wow, this is totally applicable. This is totally like, you know, this is like, this is beautiful. But now we get back in our time machine. We take off our, our, you know, our that era clothing we put on, you know, our tennis shoes, you know, and everything. We get back to, you know, uh, 2021 fashion. Boom, time machine. We're back here and we're like, okay, let's read verse 10. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Whoa. What happened? What happened? Remember, just like we did on Wednesday. We have Deuteronomy 13 in our left hand. We hold Isaiah 1 in our right hand. What happened? That's an inch. In my Bible, an inch. What in the world happened for the Lord, the sovereign God, to say that sacrifices are not good? What in the world happened? You and me, we get in our time machine. We get back to 2021. With, not with the foreign garb. We got our modern, modern garb on now. We read verse 10 to the intent by now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church. What happened? Because we walk into this church and, you know, Pastor Jennifer is teaching. What happened? We say, okay, I'm out of here. I'm going to go to this other church. They say, take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. Whoa, what happened? We leave that church, go to the other church, you know, and they want to go grave soaking. What happened? We leave that church, go to another church, and, you know, the uh, worship leader's a rock star. They have, the, the, you know, the fog the fog coming out. They call glitter the, from the rafters. They call it the Holy Spirit. What in the world? We go to another church. There's a thousand people in the church. We go into that church, and a thousand people are speaking in tongues. What in the world happened? We get out of that church. We go into another church. The guy's teaching about, you know, prosperity gospel. What happened? We leave that church, go into another church, and the guy's telling jokes, seeker-friendly. We leave that church, go into another church, emergent church movement. You know, every, they're, they're teaching emergent church. We leave that church, go into another church, they're teaching Hebrew roots. We leave that church, we go into another church, people say, oh, you know, uh, uh, Jacob, he loved uh, Esau, he hated. Hardcore Calvinist. Five points, tulip, the whole nine yards. What in the world happened? We leave that church. Finally, there's no more churches to go to. What do we do? What do we do? Is verse 10 a lie? Does this mean that verse 10 is a lie? To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church or through the church. Does that mean that verse 10 is a lie? Where do we find this? What do we do? We go here, the guy's crazy. We go here, the guy's crazy. We go here, crazy town. We go here, crazy town. We go here, she's crazy. We go here, she's crazy. We go here, he's crazy. And, you know, he used to be a she and now she's a she or, you know, now he's a she and they're crazy. What do we do? see 
Now we understand what Brother Peter prophesies. That judgment comes first in the house of God. The inflation of Ephesus is the deflation of Paul. Where are the Pauls? Where are the Pauls? Where are the Timothys? Where are the Peters? Where are the James? Jameses? Where are they? Where are the Johns? Where are the disciples who are now messengers? Where in the world are they? I'll put it another way. Where are the warriors? Verse 10 is definitely not a lie. But we look at the church today, the state of the church today, and we go, what happened? This is one of many signs of the times. The church is entering crazy town. Every jot, every tittle must come to pass. Apostasy. Now, verse 10. Now it's amped up even more. Because we see this. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church or through the church. To, <laughs> to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at this. I really do not mean to laugh at this. But this is kind of humorous. To the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. You know what this speaks of? The spirit realm. The spirit realm. Which is both good and bad. Because the spirit realm encompasses things holy. But also it encompasses things unholy. It encompasses angels of the Lord. The most high. It also encompasses fallen angels, demons, who are of Satan. You see? And these are things are made known through the church, but to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Which means... Spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. Now, in that time machine, in that time machine where, you know, we go back to Ephesus and everything's on point, you know, in verse 10 to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be known by the church or through the church and everything's on point. We're in the Ephesian saints time. And, you know, the Dr. Luke is actively writing uh, the book of Acts. So everything's like in real time. And this is like absolutely applicable, absolutely true. Not to say that today isn't it. It isn't true. But notice we get back in our time machine. We come to the present time. And these things, the state of the church is on full display. Yes, for the world but on full display to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, the spirit realm. You know who else sees it? Satan, the demons, and they laugh. They laugh. And then 
they tell the non-believers of Jesus Christ. Look at that church. They call themselves Christians. And that guy is having sex with the teenagers that in the the teen the uh, the youth ministry. That guy is a he calls himself a pastor and he's having sex with the teenage girl. This other lady, she's a youth minister and she's molesting this little boy. This other guy, he's a pastor and you know, look, he's taking money, he's an extortioner. Look, this other guy, did you see the news? Satan says this to the unbelievers. Did you see the news? Look, this guy's a pastor. Look, his mugshot's right there. He's a pastor. And he killed his wife. He murdered his wife. And what does the non-believer do? They're fully exposed to the spirit realm, except unbeknownst to them, they don't have this spiritual awakening. It sounds cheesy to say say it that way. But they just see that, not understanding the influence of Satan. And what do they say? I want nothing to do with Christianity. I want nothing to do. That guy invited me to go to church and he's molesting the the 15-year-old girl? That guy invited me to go to church. He wanted to to become a Christian. And he's having sex with that 16-year-old? This lady, she wants me to become a Christian and she's molesting a little five-year-old boy or a five-year-old girl. I want nothing to do with that. That's disgusting. I want nothing to do with that. Now, they're absolutely right. They're absolutely right. I want nothing to do with that either. But you see how Satan, he sees that and he laughs. He laughs because of the shameful behaviors of Christians who don't understand. Remember the, the, the sons of Siva? And they wanted to, you know, have the power of Christ and they tried to, you know, they, they tried to do the, uh, the exorcism and the demon says, you know, Jesus I know. Obviously, this, the, the demon, Jesus I know. Paul I know. But who in the world are you guys? You guys aren't Christians. You might, you know, say, you know, the name of Jesus. But you guys are posers. You're not walking the walk. I know Jesus. I know Paul. But you guys are nothing. You see? No power. And that's what Satan wants. And in these last days, Satan is getting. Satan is getting. I don't want to, you know, no sympathy for the devil. But it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. Remember, Jesus is coming back. You know, some, we like to think, and yes, it's a beautiful thing to think and know that Jesus is returning. Blessed hope. Absolutely. But when Jesus returns, prophetically speaking, yes, the state of the world will be ugly. But so will the state of the church. So will the state of the saint who has turned themselves over to apostasy. 
but not so with the faithful. Not so with the remnant who understands the times and is getting brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter in the last days. Let's look at verse 11. According to the eternal purpose which he, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, we can see this. And with this understanding of what we looked at in, in verse 10. You know, we've been in verse 10 for a while. But we hear, we read verse 11. is According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is God being mean to us? Since we don't see, we get in the time machine. We see this in Ephesus and, you know, 2,000 years ago, give or take a couple years. But we get in the time machine, we come back to today and we don't see this. But if this is according to the eternal purpose which the Lord accomplished in Christ Jesus, is he being mean to the saints? Is he being mean to the, to the church? No. We just, it just so happens, we study this on Wednesday, it just so happens. It's like the car in the garage. He tests. He tests. If you're listening to this study and you haven't listened to Wednesday, listen to Wednesday. He tests. And sometimes he tests and finds wanting. Sometimes he tests and says, that's my guy. That's my gal. You see, and a lot of times he tests before the person, the vessel knows he's even a vessel. Some cases, no, before the, I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not reformed, but God is absolutely sovereign. Look at Ananias and the Lord. When the Lord says, this guy, he's my chosen vessel. Did Paul know that at the time? No. <laughs> he had no idea. Look at David. Look at David. You see, that's what's so beautiful about the Lord. The question is this. Will I and will you, will we yield and submit to him. You see? Not just today. Not just tomorrow. Not just next week. Until our last dying breath. And so we see this. In verse 12. Remember, the, 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 the saints here are on offense. Now remember what's, what the Ephesians saint. What, in, the, in the book of Ephesians. You don't see the drama that you see in Corinth. You know, Corinth is like, oh my, it's almost like a soap opera. You know, I don't like, you know, no offense to the Lord, no offense to the saints, but it's like a soap opera. Like, oh man, this work of the flesh, the guy's having sex with the dad's wife. Like, oh, how this drama, like, just cut it out. Cut it out. Let's yield to the Lord. That's not in the Bible. Having sex with your dad's wife, that's sanctioned in the Bible? No. The answer is no. So why do we see it in the church? That's what I want to know. And Paul says, okay, faithful saints, separate from these people. Yes, they're saints. They believe in Jesus Christ, but there's no obedience. And you know, God will deal with them. Because he's the judge. 
But I make this determination. I, anacrino and diacrino, separate from them. Remember, there's crino, anacrino, and diacrino. There's more crinos, but those are the three mains. Crino, anacrino, and diacrino. The only crino we cannot do is judge. Jesus Christ will do that. He's the, he's the only one qualified to even have a person enter the second death. That's for him. Paul doesn't do that. Paul doesn't crino and say, okay, separate from these people because they're going to burn in hell. No. He says, separate from these people. You know, we'll leave them to the Lord. The Lord will deal with them. If they burn in hell, that's between them and the Lord. But for you people, remnant. Uh, you know, do I praise you in this? No. Do I praise you in that? No. A little chastisement. You know, spink, spink. This isn't good. Now grow, mature. Same thing with Galatia. I, I say drama like a soap opera, but you know, because it's it's easy. I don't, I don't want to say it's easy, but like I mean, it is easy. Where the difficulty comes is in application. It's easy to hear, but it's less easy to do. But it is more easy with the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which many do not have. Remember, the Holy Spirit wasn't in a group of saints, a group of believers, meaning they didn't have the helper. A lot of where you see a lot of religion, you don't see the helper. You don't see the Holy Spirit. But where you see relationship, you absolutely see the Holy Spirit in the fruit. You got to look at the fruit. That's why Jesus Christ himself says, look at the fruit. Now you see the saints in Ephesus, you know, on offense. In that time period, on offense, where there's a great commotion about the way. You see? Offense. You don't see the drama that you see in, in Corinth. You don't see that in the book of Ephesians. You don't see the drama that you see in Galatia with the book of Ephesians. Now, forgive me for saying the drama. I mean, personally, I don't like drama. I, I, I hate drama. I just do not like drama. I think it's very interesting. Because the Lord says, okay, I'm calling over here. You're going to have a whole heap of drama. You know, be careful with what you don't like. Because the Lord will use that <laughs> to humble <laughs> To humble you. Praise be to the Lord. <laughs> but me personally, I just don't like drama. Because you and me both, we yield to the word of God. Drama will come. I mean, we live in a world of the dramatic. Drama will come. But the Lord gives peace. He teaches us. He gives us the blueprints for peace. Real peace. A peace that surpasses understanding. Not in accordance to the flesh. Remember... Paul says of himself that, that grace was given to him. And carnally speaking, we think, okay, grace is given to him, so he's going to have a you know a nice house here and you know the, uh, the palisades and a nice little mansion over here and you know a nice yacht over here. Look, God's grace. No, carnally speaking, he was killed. Carnally speaking, he was beaten. But a slave is not greater than his master, and a slave is not greater than her master. Remember, they hated me first. Those are the words of our Lord. Remember, they hated me first. Now we see this. 
we see in verse 11, according to the eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom, in whom, in whom, not in the law, not in the flesh, not in the world, in Christ Jesus, where there is only safety is found in Christ Jesus, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith <laughs> in him, in him, not in the law, not in the flesh, not in the world, in Christ Jesus, the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Verse 13, therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you. That's hardcore. Paul, his beatdowns, left for dead, his stonings, his tribulation. It's so that the saints can shine brighter. Remember, his inflation, that's his intimacy with the Lord. But then his deflation, that's for the bubble. That's for the saints. He says, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. It's so that you saints can shine even brighter. Remember to the saints in Corinth, he says, you guys are like kings. You guys are inflated like kings, not in a prideful sense. I mean, in a deep spiritual sense, you guys are inflated like kings. But me, us in this little entourage, this little bubble, Pastors and teachers and elders were the scum of the earth. We're like trash. Our inflation is before the Lord, but we immediately deflate ourselves. We're like the scum of the earth. We're like garbage. Why? For you, saints. It's for your glory. For this reason, in verse 14, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. From whom, speaking of the Father, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. This is the better family. It just so happens we studied this on Sunday or last on, on Wednesday. Last Wednesday, we looked at chapter 2, verse 19, that we're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. It's a better family. Remember on Wednesday? The biological family, old blood relatives, blood relatives. Look, you know, brother says this, kid says this, son says this, daughter says this, wife says this, husband says this, mommy and daddy say this, grandma and grandpa say this, aunt and uncle say this. That's nice. That's nice. What does the Lord say? What does the Lord say? What is the counsel that we yield to? What is the counsel that you yield to? Oh, but look, he's a close relative. He's my brother. He's my dad. He's my, she's my mom. You know, she's my aunt. She's my uncle. Look, it's my son. Look, it's my wife. Look, it's my husband. Surely they want what's good for me. Okay, question, two questions. Adam or Christ? You say Adam. Okay, don't listen. You say Christ. Okay, now there's another question. Fake Christ or real Christ? Now, if you're a Berean, you know. But if you're not a Berean, be careful. Be a Berean. You need a teacher. 
I mean, looking at verse 10, going not to go back too much, but I mean, like in, in verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by, uh, might be made known by the church or through the church. We get in our time machine. We're in the here and now. And it's like, what in the world happened? Is this, is verse, is this verse not true? Is this verse a lie? There needs to be teachers, biblical teachers. There needs to be pastors, biblical pastors. And they're getting fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer. But yet, the Word of God, the Word of God teaches us that these things must happen because all of Scripture will be fulfilled. And Paul says in verse 13, don't lose heart, I ask, don't lose heart. You know, easier said than done because if we go back in time where the Ephesian saints were here reading this letter, we, we know that Paul's left for dead, that he, people are stoning him, that people are beating him, that he's cold. That he, we hear that, we're like, that would break our heart. Break, the thought of it breaks my heart. I don't want that for Paul. But he's a worker. He's a worker. We make these distinctions between worker and field. And this is the life of the worker. Count the cost. Count the cost. I mean, you know, count the cost to be a Christian. Praise be to the Lord. Count the cost. The Lord even says that. Count the cost. But so many times people say, oh, you know what? I'm going to do good for my community. I think I'm going to be a pastor. Don't do that. Don't do that. Pray about it for sure. But don't do that. Count the cost. If you want to enter pastoral ministry, count the cost. Because the world will hate you. Christians will hate you. Only Luke is with me. Look at Paul. You see? And Paul says, you guys don't lose heart. At my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Why he says in verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You see, the book of life. The family of God, heirs of Abraham. Remember when the Lord says, Abraham, look up at the sky. Old guy. Old guy, old wife, barren wife. Abraham, look up at the sky. These are going to be these stars that you see, which are numerous, your heirs are going to be more. Your descendants are going to be more than these stars. That's you and me by faith. I mean, more, but, you know, Isaac and Jacob. So it's you, you, you and me plus. For you and me, it's by faith. That, in verse 16, he would grant you. He would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Now, let's pause here for a moment. Paul makes mention of his tribulations in verse 13. But do you see what's happening? He's on his face before the Lord. In verse 14. I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's praying for the saints in Ephesus, for the saints in Corinth, for the saints in Galatia, for the saints in Rome. He's praying for little Timothy. 
He's praying for Priscilla and Achilla, for Apollos, for Cephas. He's praying for Barnabas. He's praying. He's on his face before the Lord. And when he's praying before the Lord, in verse 16, that he would grant you the Father, you know, verse 14, he says, I bow my knees to the Father, God Almighty, the Most High. In verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit, which is why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that's the seal of God. It's not religion. Religion, there's no sealing of the Holy Spirit through religion. Oh, that was the, the Holy Spirit, that was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. I say, behold the uncircumcision. And if uncircumcised, no Holy Spirit. Through the strengthening of from the Father, it's with might. It's through his spirit in the inner man. It's not carnal. I mean, you, you, we read this in back, you know, verse 16, carnal, carnally, emphasis on carnally, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Now we read that carnally and like, wow, you know, I'm going to have strength so I can go bench press 500 pounds. I'm going to have strength so that I can go uh, swim across the Pacific. I'm going to have strength so that when my oppressors come, I can kill them. I'm going to have strength so when this enemy comes before me, I can beat him up. No. That's carnal. This inner strength, it's in the inner man. And it's in accordance with his word, in accordance with his spirit, the word became flesh. So that when you get punched, punched because somebody hates you because you're a Christian. When you get punched, the strength of the Lord in the power of His Spirit and in the baptism of His Spirit with the Helper to turn the other cheek. You see? When somebody says, I'm going to slice off your head because you haven't taken the mark of the beast, which prophetically, it will come to pass. I'm going to slice off your head because you haven't taken the mark of the beast. Before you do, let me tell you, God loves you. You give them the good news. Tell them the gospel. Tell them to repent and receive Jesus Christ. Well, here, go ahead. Take my head. I don't want it. To live is Christ. To die is gain. I don't want it here. Strength. When I was a young Christian, when I was a brand new believer, I was so mad at the Christians. I was so mad at the Christians. I read the book of Acts and I was so mad what happened with Stephen. Stephen, a martyr for Jesus Christ. I was so mad. Why was there no Christians there to prevent this from happening? Why was there no Christians who didn't fight back? Fight. Why was there not outrage? And that's just other Christians. And then I was mad at Stephen. Stephen just still, like, he's, he's, he's like bowing. I mean, you know, now, you know, with more maturity, you know, I, I you know, I understand, you know, it was probably difficult for Stephen to, you know, if he were to get up and run away, it's probably very difficult. But then I was like, Stephen, what are you, you're just going to take that? 
And then when the stones start throwing, when the stones start, you know, being thrown, he's going to worship the Lord. That's like the worst time to worship the Lord. That was me 25 years ago. That's the worst time, Stephen, to worship the Lord. What in the world are you doing? What are you doing, Stephen? And I was so mad. I was furious. How in the world could this be? He didn't fight back. No Christians there to save him. And that was my own uncircumcision. I didn't have this understanding. That was a carnal way of thinking. And that's what you see in these last days. Saints, Satan is laughing because he loves the rise of the carnal nature. Oh, how dare you do this to me? I have my rights. How dare you do this? I have my rights. The rise of the carnal nature. You see? I love my rights. I'm an American citizen and we have we are afforded rights here in, in, in America, in the United States. But they're dwindling fast, rapidly. But I have a question to ask you. What rights do the dead have? Straight up, what rights do the dead have? You see? Remember, the cost of being a Christian in Ephesus, it was heavy. Life-threatening. In accordance to Adam, life-threatening. In the ways of the world, life-threatening. You say, Caesar is Lord, you get to live. You say, Jesus is Lord, say goodnight. Or, you know, if you're female, they rape you. If you have daughters, they rape your daughters. If you have little sons, they rape your sons. They put you in the games. And they, they take all the men. They put you know, When I say the games, they put you like in a coliseum. They take the men, Christians. You, you know, the ones, the Christians who said that Caesar is Lord, they're at home. They're, you know, having their meals at home, nice and safe. You know, I'm doing my air quotes, nice and safe. You know, they, they get to go to bed at night, put their head on their pillow, their Giza sheets, everything, you know, nice and warm in there, comfy in there, in their beds. But if you don't deny Jesus Christ and you desire to never deny Jesus Christ, they say, okay. Some of them, they say, okay, you know, you're going to die. And they put the sword right in your, your, right in your neck. You're dead. Say goodnight. But then on others, they say, okay, follow us. You know, they chain you up. Go and stay in this little chamber, which is a prison. Stay here in this chamber. Then they, you know, they invite all the games. You know, the, the, the crowds come in the Colosseum. So now everything is a big stadium. You know, and you're, you're still in the prison. And then the little doors open. They lead you out and... All of a sudden, you're in the middle of the stadium. Everybody's hooting and hollering, cheering, having a grand old time. And if you said Caesar was Lord, everything would be fine in accordance to Adam. But you never want to deny Jesus Christ. You don't want to be a vessel of dishonor. And there you are, your family. Your family there in prison. You're in the, they lead you out to the middle of the stadium. Men, women, children. They take the men. They beat up the men. Tie them up. They can't move. They're beaten. They can't move. They take the women, children. Disrobe them. Remember, 
The Coliseum. People are hooting and hollering. Watching. This is their entertainment. They rape the women. Rape the children. The men watch. They see. And they let out the lions. They're done. They're, you know, they, they. Then they let out the lions and the bears. And the bears and lions eat the saints. Does that mean that Paul's prayer is ineffective? I mean, when he says here in verse 16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, does that mean that Paul's prayers are ineffective? Does that mean that God himself, our Father in heaven, is ineffective? His power through his spirit, does that mean is ineffective? Look, look at what has happened in the stadium. Does that mean that it's ineffective? Does that mean the Bible isn't true? Is this is verse 16 a lie? People say that all the time. You know, oh, look, God helped uh, Daniel when he was in the lion's den. God helped Daniel. He was in the lion's den and the lions, they, they didn't bother him. They didn't disturb him. And wow, look, God is going to, God is there with you and God will protect you. And I'm not mocking the account that we read in Daniel. I'm not mocking the, it's beautiful. And yes, God does protect. But let us never forget that lions ate Christians. God protected Daniel from the lions, but lions ate Christians. For the women, most likely after being raped multiple times. Guy number one, guy number two, guy number three, guy hooting and hollering in the stadium. Everybody's, you know, it's their entertainment. Christian women, Christian boys, Christian girls. And after being raped multiple times, eaten by lions, eaten by bears. Does that mean That this is a lie. When Paul is bowing on his knees, on his face before the Lord, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named in verse 15. The better family. The better family, just like we read in chapter 2, verse 19. Fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. In verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit. Does that mean that this is a lie? How could this be? How could it be that the saints are strengthened when the saints are in the belly of the lion? How is it that this say, a female saint, a beautiful sister in Christ, can have strength in the Lord when she's just been raped over and 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 over. Is God a liar? Is his word false? No. It's the inner man. 
a better family that is not of this world. These are things that the saints in these last days are really going to have to, number one, remember. But then number two, really hold on to. Because tribulation is coming. Tribulation is coming. I teach from America. And we're sheltered from a lot of things that are around the world. But what we're not sheltered from, as of today, is The mutilation of the word of God. But it's coming. More tribulation is coming. In some areas, some of you listeners, my beautiful brothers, my beautiful sisters in Christ, are living in very treacherous times. Some of you are living through very... Well, you know, it's heavy. I mean, we, we study these things and you're like on point. Like, yes, this is this is right here and now. If, I, if anybody knows I'm a Christian, I'm dead. I want you to know that I pray for you. You are held deeply in my prayers. And I cannot wait to embrace you. I say in the life to come. But I also hope in this life. In this life. But let, let's understand what the word teaches. The truth of God's word. Yes, the good, the bad, the ugly. It's in the inner man. As he says in verse 16, the inner man, the inner woman, it's deep inside. It's not carnal. That Christ, in verse 17, may dwell in your hearts through faith. Religion religion can't touch this. Religion doesn't go this deep. Religion is just surface. Religion says, oh, Caesar is Lord because I don't want to die. Caesar is Lord because, you know, I want to go, I like my Giza sheets. I want to be nice and warm and comfy in my bed. Nice little comfy pillow. I don't want my pillow to be a rock. That Christ in verse 17 may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded. Remember, this is growth and maturity in Christ. Rooted and grounded. Very interesting. Remember how we refer to Luke 8 a lot? And we see the roots and the fruit, you know, below ground and above ground, roots and fruit, growth and maturity. Being rooted and grounded in love, which is the greatest gift in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Now, remember, this is the Paul's bubble is expanding now because his inflation and his intimacy with Christ, it's also his deflation as he pours into those who hear. He wants them to understand and comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height or height, width and length and depth and height. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. I love this. Surpasses knowledge or passes knowledge. I love this because we've, we've studied 1 Corinthians. 
1 Corinthians chapter 13, we know that knowledge is a gift of the Spirit. Yes, but it will fail. Love never fails. And that's what he says in verse 19. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. The greatest gift is love. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, you might ask me a question. Well, I know the Bible says this. But why don't I have this? Why don't I have this? You speak all these things. You say these things. We study the word verse by verse. Why don't I have this fullness of God? Why, teacher? Why don't I have these things? And I'd ask you a question back. You tell me. Why not? Why not? And now I'll give you the answer. Get a new pastor. Get a new teacher. Straight up. I mean, we look at verse 10. Is God a liar? Is the Bible fake? Is the Bible untrue? I don't even like uttering those words. But straight up. Remember? We're in the time machine. We go back in time. Everything's on point. Everything aligns. Dr. Luke is writing Acts in real time. It's being written. And we see, okay, every, you know, the manifold wisdom of God is being made known through the church. Everything's on point. Everything aligns with what we see in the book of Acts. And in real time, what we're reading in this letter from Paul to the Ephesian saints, and everything aligns. What we see in the church and what we see what is written, everything aligns. Then we get back in our time machine, come to today. We get out of the time machine. We go into another church where the pastor's having sex, the youth pastor's having sex with a 15-year-old girl. Female, female pastor is molesting children. Is the Bible fake? No. The Bible is absolutely true. The Bible is absolutely true, 100%. Don't forget that judgment comes first in the house of God. Judgment comes first in the house of God. I say get a new pastor, get a new teacher, and I sincerely mean that. But it's safety for your soul. I don't say it for, you know, so, you know, ha, 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 you're out of church. No. I say it so that you can be safe. Sound doctrine. Not abiding. You know, the only safety we have is in Jesus Christ and not abiding in a fake Jesus, lowercase j, in a fake Christ, lowercase c. I'm talking about the real Jesus, uppercase j. The real Christ, uppercase c. And there are many fake Christs. Taught esteemed, propagated by many, 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 many false teachers, false apostles, false pastors, wolves, shills for the Antichrist. You see? There is an abundance of joy for the believer. And if you don't have it, 
perhaps, and I would venture to say probably with 95% accuracy, this is the case. You're taught wrong. Because the formula must be right. If you want the joy of the Lord, the formula must be right. A lot of people say, I have the joy of the Lord. No, that's, that's joy in the social program. There's, you know, uh, a social club. You go to church, you see your friends. You go to church, you know, the guy talking, you know, I don't, I don't like an hour message. I don't like it, you know, 40 minutes, that's too long. Hey, pastor, can you just teach for 10 minutes? I want to be here with my friends. I need the joy of the Lord so we can, you know, talk about drugs and alcohol, you know, uh, the, you know, what's the, 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 the finest material you get? Where, where do we get the best white lines? Where do we get the best? Where, where, where's the best strip club? Where, where, where's the best, uh, 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 casino where our odds are better? Pastor, stop speaking for just 20 minutes max, okay? I want to be with my friends. This is a social club. I want to be with my friends. And I, that's joy. That's joyous for me. And that's the joy of the Lord. That's lowercase l. You might say it's the joy of Jesus, but that's the lowercase j. The joy of the Lord, uppercase l, the real Lord, uppercase l, the real Jesus, uppercase j, the real Christ, uppercase c. Sound doctrine. The formula must be accurate. And when you yield to him, put on your seatbelt. You'll have super abounding joy. And I tell you this from experience. I'm not telling you this because, oh, you know, I read this in a book. I mean, I did read it in a book, but the book is holy. <laughs> Genesis to Revelation and the Word Became Flesh. But I didn't read it in a New York Times bestseller. I didn't see it on TV. I tell you from experience because that's what he did to me. The workmanship of the Lord, the real Lord, the real Jesus, uppercase J. I tell you from experience, and I want this joy for you as well. You must yield to the real Jesus in accordance to his word. In closing, in verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceed. <laughs> Look here. To him who is able. I mean, you ask me, why don't I have this? I mean, we look at verse 19 with all the, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And you pose the question, why don't I have this? Why in the world don't I have this? I'm addicted to this, 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 this habitual sin, habitual sin. Why don't I have this? 95% accuracy. I say unto you, you're taught wrong. You're taught wrong. You're taught about a fake Jesus. <gasps> How dare you say that? Look, I read my study Bible and it's this guy. He says I could take the mark of the beast. Then I'll still be saved. No big deal. That's a huge deal. That's another Christ. <gasps> How dare you say that? What are you talking about? It's, it's, the Bible. it's, written. it's clearly written. Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek. It's clearly written. No, I'm just a messenger. Oh, but the Holy Spirit, what do you, the Holy Spirit, the, the, the glitter comes down and you call that the Holy Spirit? No, that's the wrong formula. You can have the fullness of God. 
filled with all the fullness of God, which includes joy. There's other things too, but joy is pretty nice. You say impossible. It's too good to be true. Absolutely, it's good. And it's absolutely true. Because we look at verse 20. Now to him who is able. If if, if I say that and you were to respond to me, impossible. Impossible. Look, I'm not going to leave my church because all my friends are here and we do the social club and I have all my friends and my joy is in my friends. Well, you're in the wrong. Because joy is in the Lord. Now there's fellowship of the saints and there can be communal joy, but it must be unto the real Jesus. That's fellowship of the saints. You see? Just like we see, we get in our time machine, we go back in time, we're in the Ephesian, Ephesian saints, we're among them, and everything in real time. We see verse 10 aligns with what we see happening in, you know, in, in, in Dr. Luke's writings. Acts is being written in real time. Everything aligns. Always a great commotion about the way. We get back on our time machine, we get out, and today, 2021, what's happening? What's happening? And people make up these excuses. Oh, that was for another dispensation. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that anymore. No. <laughs> Never believe that lie. It's from Satan. It's satanic. It's demonically influenced. Never, ever, ever believe that lie from the pit of hell. Because the propagators of another Jesus will say such things. They are servants of Satan. Why? Because Satan wants to drag you to hell. Straight up. He wants to drag you to hell. Don't let it happen. How does that happen? How do we not let it happen? Abiding in Christ, the real Christ. I mean, it's pretty simple. It's not hard at all. Simplicity is in Christ. There is there is great simplicity in Christ. You see? But you need a teacher. You need a pastor. You see? Not the one who calls himself a pastor. Not the one who calls himself a teacher. One who, when you read the Bible, everything aligns perfectly. That kind of person. God is able. In verse 20, in closing, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask. I love this. All that we ask or think. (laughs) All that we ask or think. How good is God? Words can't describe his beauty and his goodness. According to the power that works in us. Oh, but that was for 2,000 years ago. Wrong. That's demonic. That's satanic. People who say that. Now, if you're in that camp, you believe that. You are also taught wrong. Don't believe that. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Oh, but my pastor, he has his study Bible. That's nice. That's nice. I could care less. He says it's okay to take the mark of the beast and you'll still be saved. That is also satanic. See? Straight up. 
I mean, truth hurts sometimes, but truth is beautiful. You see? And truth, biblical truth, is where we find these things, where we find being filled with the fullness of God, the fullness of joy. It only comes through truth and in truth. And that only happens when you and me together are abiding in Jesus Christ. I mean, can anybody say, follow me? I mean, anybody can say, follow me. But you better make sure that person is following Jesus Christ, the real Jesus. And he says this, abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now, in order for that to happen, you, me, until we need to be sealed of the Holy Spirit in the power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and many do not have that. Why? Because they follow religion. It's relationship. You see? I mean, if it's easy for you to turn the other cheek, you get if somebody punches you in the face and it's easy for you to turn the other cheek, that's a good sign. That's good. But if it's hard, if somebody punches you on the, in the face and you just want to rip their head off, that's another sign. It's not a good sign. You see? It's the carnal nature. You and me, dead to self, carrying our crosses, reckoning the old man dead and the old woman dead. And we see this in closing in verse 21. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is for you and me today. To the people of the way, a remnant of these last days, God bless you. I love you.